Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Today, we are talking to a real bona fide psychic detective. Pam Coronado has a relative, had a relatively normal life until she had a dream in 1996 where she was able to find a missing woman and help bring her ruthless killer to justice. Soon, Pam found herself working on some of the nation's highest profile cases and learning as much about crime, forensics, and missing persons with meditation, intuition, and spiritual healing. Pam pursued psychic training to help her assist the FBI and other law enforcement agencies worldwide with heart-rendering criminal cases, including Chandra Levy, Natalie Holloway, the D.C. Snipers, Vanessa Guillen, William Tyrell, and the Golden State Killer. She also became search and rescue certified to help with missing persons. Pam's solid reputation as a psychic detective corners numerous television appearances to work live on camera, which is a very hard thing to do. Um, she has been on Oprah, Dr. Phil, and a starring role in Sensing Murder for Investigation Discovery. Pam served as the first and only female president of the International Remote Viewing Association, an organization of former military psychic spies. On top of all of this, Pam currently teaches students to utilize remote viewing and blaze their own trail as psychic detectives. I'm so happy to have you on the show, Pam. And the first thing I want to know about is your 1996 dream that changed your life. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, that was um, quite the dream where uh, I'd had, you know, interesting dreams in the past, but I, but this dream was very different in that I realized um, in the dream that I was seeing through somebody else's eyes. So I dreamed that I was in the back seat of a car with a man and a woman um, in front of me, the man was driving and the woman was in front of me and he turned around and he uh, glared at me. So I saw his face very clearly, but, and I knew in the dream him to be my husband, only <sighs> this was not my, I'd never seen this man before, but in the dream, I realized this was my husband and this was his girlfriend. And I also realized it, I was in grave danger. Um, I realized that they were going to to kill me in that dream. Um, and then I saw, I looked out the way, we were driving down this curvy road and I was in the backseat of this car and I looked out the window and I saw uh, an angel. I know it sounds crazy. I saw an angel flying outside the window and she was motioning for me to come with her. And um I decided I'd rather be with her than what was happening. So I <laughs> flew uh, Peter Pan style. It reminds me of Wendy and Peter Pan. Uh, <laughs> I flew with her um, and I looked back and I could see the vehicle and I could see 
the road it was driving on. And then I turned my attention towards her and where we were going. And all I can say is we went to a place that would be my view of what heaven would look like. So it was like a big palace in the uh, sky and I felt a lot of reverence and felt like, gosh, I don't know if I deserve to be here. And then woke up. Um, And I knew that that was not your average dream. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I wrote it all down because it was just so profound and strange, Um, very realistic. But uh, three days later... You didn't have to watch the murder then? No. Mm-mm. Oh, good. <laughs> um, no, I was out of there. I was out of there. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, it was about three days later, I was looking, we still had newspapers. I still read the newspaper and mm-hmm. um, I was looking at the newspaper over breakfast and saw that man. So I saw a picture of that man and there was this big article headline saying that his wife was missing and that him and his girlfriend were uh, the prime suspects. Yeah. So uh, my world started spinning at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I really didn't tell anybody. I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want anybody to think I'd lost my mind. Right. Uh, I I was was thinking that it'd take a lot of courage to say, oh, I watched that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't even tell my husband. I didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. at, at that point. But then I started following the case incessantly. And yeah. um, I watched on the news one night and the, the mother and the grandmother were on the news and they were sobbing, asking for anybody to come forward with information. If anybody knew anything, please come forward and I decided to swallow my pride and join the search party. So I, they were gathering every weekend, like 200 people were going out there looking for her. Mm-hmm. So I decided to get brave and just join the search party. And if I happened to catch somebody, I could tell them what I saw. Mm-hmm. And um, then I could leave and go home. <laughs> um, that's how I thought the day was going It's like go. putting a bag over your head and then telling them, <laughs> yes. you can't see me, but I know this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I and I did go for it and, and I did tell them, you know, I'm not a psychic. I don't know what I'm doing. I just had this dream. I believe I know where she is. Um, Who did you tell it to? The person in charge of the search party? Were yeah, they police that, or... Just uh, civilians. It was a civilian, but it turned out to be someone who I knew from high school, ironically. Oh. Um, someone was I that, had grown up with. So Was that worse or not? <laughs> it was actually better because I'm like, well, at least he knows I'm not crazy. At least he already mm-hmm. knows I'm not, right. you know, crazy. But, um, yeah, I was embarrassed, to <laughs> say the least. And he was very kind and very open and receptive. And then he, um, he introduced me to the detective. I guess I told him some things that they already knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was enough attention. credibility. Yeah. So then he took me to the detectives and I met them and, and it turned into a whole life changing day. But we and they, find they were open to it then. The minute you came up with some information that you could not have known. Yeah. And the detectives were open to a psychic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, that's Even though great. I kept saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I just <laughs> this dream. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I'm not a psychic. I, I just had a dream. Mm-hmm. And so I kept telling him, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm they not were great. really here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This isn't yeah. happening. But how did they convict him then? They, it couldn't have been on your word. It had to be on something else you I mean they're not going to put a psychic up there and say she told us (laughs) yeah well it's funny I just had this conversation the other day Uh, (laughs) somebody said you know is does this information hold up in court and I'm like evidence is evidence got nothing to do with me so Mm -hmm. just it doesn't matter who led them to the body the body is evidence so I always see it as um, the evidence is what holds up in court but do I go on the stand no Mm-hmm. Do you ever come out from behind the background? I mean, does, do they ever admit that they've you had a psychic work in the case? Rarely. Uh, once yeah. in a while, but very rarely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so do people, do uh, police departments contact you, just call up and say, hey, we've got this case? Yes. How does that work? Um, they do. Generally, uh, generally, it's a family member who's requesting that they do so. So mm-hmm. most of the time I'm connected, I'm, you know, contacted by family members and then a family member will ask the detective to reach out to me. Some okay. detectives will just do it on their own because, you know, they're stuck in a case and they've mm-hmm. heard of me and they've seen me on TV. So right. I do get those kinds of um, calls. I have a really funny story about a, a detective who called me one time and, he said, my wife has been nagging me. She watches your show. My wife has been nagging me to call you for the longest time. And he said, I was driving on the freeway and a big uh, 18-wheeler cut me off, pulled in front of me, and it said Coronado across the back of the truck. <laughs> and he goes, so I decided I'd call you this day. <laughs> <laughs> and did you help him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good. So now is he a regular? Do you get regulars mm. after you've helped them when they have a case? They call you yeah, first? <laughs> they do. They do. You know, what I was saying is that, you know, they some departments only have one homicide. Luckily, they only have one homicide, you know, in 15 years. Small little departments don't have them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank God. Yeah. Right. And so only only the big metropolitan ones that I've worked with will sometimes come back. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, how long does it take you to solve a case or does that depend on the case? Um, so I don't solve cases. That's what I always say. <laughs> I don't solve cases. Police solve cases. I provide leads. So I provide leads and I let the police do their job and they solve cases. So. I'm always just a tool part of the investigation and uh, the detectives are the ones out there, you know, coming up with evidence. So um, I'm always clear about that. People always say, how many cases have you solved? Well, none (laughs) Uh, because that's their job, but I do provide leads and hopefully lead them in the right, in the right direction so they can do their job. And they keep you up to date with what's happening. Um, some do, some don't, some forget, you know, the laws, the uh, wheels of justice turn very slowly. Investigations can go on for years. Can they? Um, and so sometimes, you know, I never hear from them again or they forget or they'll solve a case 
six years later and totally forget to tell me. <laughs> so, yeah. Doesn't that, aren't you curious? What yeah. happened here? <laughs> I am, but I work so many cases, I can't possibly keep track of them all. So, Do they um, ever bleed yeah. into each other? Yes, that can happen. Yeah. Uh, so I try not to work on more than one a day to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what, are the, what are the two biggest misconceptions people have about you and your work? Um, two of the biggest misconceptions is one that um, this is just a natural ability and I got lucky or I just have, you know, was born with this, this great gift of um, being able to do this. And it's, I definitely have some natural ability for sure, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of training that goes into it. And so people don't realize the level and amount of time invested in the training Mm -hmm. and learning how to pull in the information I want when I want it. And that it's, it is a controlled thing. Um, So I've worked really hard to, to be able to pull in the information that, that they need when, when we need it. Not that I always have the answers, but, you know, I have a little bit more control. The other misconception is that psychics can see everything. Yeah, that (laughs) That I know. They're they're godlike and they know everything and they see everything or they can wave some magic wand over the whole situation. And somehow just by being involved, I'll be able to fix it or solve it. And that's just a common belief and it's such a huge misconception Mm -hmm. like I can't create evidence if there's no evidence I can't fix the fact that if uh, a body is in the water and it's been there for 30 years I'm not going to recover it Um, Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of these kinds of things that that people just have more magical thinking around it where it's not real with how investigation stuff works Mm-hmm. You know, I often say, you know, when people say, well, you know, you're psychic, why didn't you see that? I mm-hmm. say to them, have you ever tripped? Were your eyes open? <laughs> I rest <laughs> my case. <laughs> you know, because it is. It's like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm not God. I'm not God-like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we miss things all the time, eyes open, psychically. You know, we just do. So, um how many cases? And I got that too from somebody who called me up and actually said, How come you didn't know that I was going to fall the next day? I said to her, Were uh, your eyes open? <laughs> <laughs> well, how come you didn't know? So, and it was kind of an angered knee jerk, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. So, how many cases do you think you've well solved? I'm still using that word. <laughs> Again, I because I never say that I've solved cases, um, but I have found bodies. Yes, I have found bodies. Mm. Um, I have been able to lead detectives to to a body, um, and so I have done that. I've got at least four that I've been yeah. able to um, to recover wow. bodies. So, um, wow. but again, that's not just intuitive. It's you know. It's the other part that goes into that because I am search and rescue um, Mm -hmm. certified. So I am out there um, doing the search 
stuff too. So, um, so I kind of, I'm a little different than, than your average psychic detective because of that, because I am out there in the field. Okay. I'm going to ask you about that too, when we come back from a break, but I want to take a break now. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about the search and rescue and also about the process. And then of course, we want to get into some of your cases. So we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and we are back with Pam Coronado, an actual psychic detective, and we've been talking about her work. And um, I'm now going to add, well, first, we're going to go back to search and rescue. When we when we left Pam right before the break, she was talking about search and rescue. Does that mean you actually physically go out and and do like search and rescue like us normal people (laughs) or is it a thing and a technique for search and rescue? Oh, interesting. I do, I do search and rescue like a, like a regular civilian. So your whole body comes. So so my whole body goes, but I do, I, 
I never do that until I've done a reading, an intuitive reading first, and mm-hmm. I've gotten all of my um, insight about a location. And once I really feel like I've described a location well enough that I can potentially find it on a map, then I'll work with the map. I do all of this before I ever step foot out in the world. Okay. Um, because I want to have some sort of an idea of a search area instead mm-hmm. of just this big, wide, big thing. So, so you don't I want do. to wander. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely don't want to just be wandering. So I do have um, usually some sort of focus or some sort of an area in mind or something like that based on my intuitive information. Then I go out and do the actual live search. And do you always go on the search or do you have people calling you and say, okay, we've got a search party. Where should we go? I get that a lot, like almost every week. Oh, do you? (laughs) So, yeah, I get that. So obviously I'm not going to every search all over the country, but Mm -hmm. um, I do advise them and try to give them um, some direction on where they should be looking and some landmarks and things to look for and that oh, kind of good. stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have so much, so many people calling you. How do you turn anybody down? That'd be a hard thing to say. I, I can't help. I, I don't have the time. It is so hard. Um, I try to manage it the best I can when I'm really, really swamped. Um, a lot of times I do t- turn cases over to my students mm-hmm. so I can um, at least have them working on some of these things when I'm really, really swamped. But um, I do try to my best. What I do, I do filter out though, however, is I try to work directly with law enforcement or immediate family members. Mm-hmm. So just curious. I know there's a lot of curious people out there or somebody went missing in their community and they just want to know if I can help, I get a lot of well-meaning people like that, um, but they don't get the priority. It's the, it's law enforcement or um, immediate family. Yeah. And you're able to take most of them or do you have to I'm able to take most of them. Like I said, if I can't, I do give them to my students so that there's somebody, uh, somebody working on it. Mm -hmm. That's good because that would be a hard thing to, now somebody's in need and you can't. And, and I do have to prioritize. And, and, you know, I know it's upsetting to people because it's super important. It's their loved one. It's, it's yeah. their only case. It may be my 50th one, but it's their only case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand that. But I do prioritize with um, certain things by how urgent a situation is. If somebody's been missing 48 hours, I drop everything. That's what, you know. That takes my priority right there. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's been missing for 12 years and it's not likely we're going to uh, be in a life or death situation, then right. uh, then they don't get, you know, yeah. priority. And sad, but that's just the way it has to be. Well, it makes sense, too. You know, that 48 hours, you've got a chance of catching somebody yeah. alive or, you know. Right. Certainly. At worst, you know, bringing a, a closure to that anguish right away. Right away. You know? mm-hmm. um, but now, what is the process? How do you do it? Or can that an- be answered? You know, it, with that? You know I, I have a bunch of different tools. So I, def- I use different methods. 
um, <clears throat> obviously I'm a trained uh, remote viewer, mm-hmm. um, but I also use clairvoyance and clairaudience. Those are my main two main two skills. People always ask me if I'm a medium. I don't use mediumship in um, my missing persons work. Mm-hmm. Um, so have it's, you it's, not found it to be reliable or it's just not correct. one of your talents? Oh, it's, it's not, not my reliable. strongest suit. I find it not reliable. I, I really don't trust it that much because if somebody came to me and said, I'm Marilyn Monroe and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. How do I know that, you know, I have no Marilyn Monroe and then Marilyn Monroe. It's true. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. I just I, I'm suspicious of it in a lot of ways like that. So, yeah. That makes sense. I never really thought about that. But that yeah, does like, make sense. If I don't have their family there to verify that this is this is the person talking to mm-hmm. me. The only other the other problem is if you're seeing it from their their point of view, you're only seeing it from their point of view. Right. You're not seeing the big picture. I always say mm-hmm. if I was gonna watch a baseball game, I don't want to watch the baseball game through the eyes of the pitcher. I wanna see it from the stands. So yeah, I want to be able to game. see the whole thing. Yeah. And so yeah. that's another reason I, I shy away from the mediumship in, in doing uh, this kind of work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's mostly, um, obviously, I do um, do some, some remote viewing. I think remote viewing is a great tool. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But um, mm-hmm. that's a great tool for, for Let's locations. Let's talk about it now. Okay, we can talk about it now. How does it work? How do you do it? Um, So there's different kinds of remote viewing. There's different forms of remote viewing. Those who know me know that I teach Mm -hmm. um, CRV, which is called controlled remote viewing. And that's a step-by-step process. And it's done while you're conscious. And it's done on paper Mm -hmm. um, where you're sitting there at a desk and you're receiving this information and you follow a step-by-step protocol. And um, this is this military based. It was developed by the military. Um, 20 years of research and $20 million went into the military wow. program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um, also teach another form called ERV, which is extended remote viewing and that's more where you go into a trance and you're in a deeper state. And um, if you're lucky, you have somebody called a monitor who mm-hmm. will um, <laughs> ask you questions and guide you around and pull the information, help pull the information out of you. If mm-hmm. you're not lucky and you're trying to do it yourself, you have to experience what you're experiencing and then come back and try to remember and record what you what you mm-hmm. saw and what you felt and experienced. And so what's what's the benefits of each one? Why one um, over the other? You know, the, the CRV, I think the CRV, what, what, you know, the obvious answer there is you can do it on your, on your own. It's easy to do by yourself and mm-hmm. um, you can spend as long as you need to. And, um, and you can still pull in really good information uh, CRV, I think, is a really great tool for doing location work, for like describing a location of a missing person. Mm-hmm. Um, ERV, for me, is faster. It's a little bit faster. 
and I tend to get uh, more information because I go deeper. Mm-hmm. I work with a monitor. That's my favorite way to work. Personally, that's my absolute favorite way to work is to have somebody do all the left brain thinking for me and yeah. let me just go into the right brain and just receive what um, they're asking me. And you're so, reporting it as it goes to your monitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can do that process with a detective too. So mm-hmm. I can sit in front of a detective and this took a lot of years of training, but mm-hmm. I can sit. This is what you see me doing on TV. So I can sit in front of a detective and have them ask me questions and then come up with the answers um, in mm-hmm. real time. But it's kind of the same process as as an ERV session, except for I'm sitting there conscious with my eyes open. <laughs> okay. And the ERV, you, you, you're closing your eyes and more mm-hmm. relaxed and in your home, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's what you do. Then you go into a, a trance or a what would you call a trance? I mean, you know, well, we have crazy things on TV, people elevating and everything. <laughs> not that, definitely not that. It's okay. just a. It's it's just a. a um, I call it the zone. I call it the zone. I like to describe it as the zone. Mm-hmm. So. You know, when I'm just working and I'm not doing ERV, when I'm when I'm just doing my normal working, I think of it as like, you know how when you read a book and you get so engrossed in the book that you lose what's going on around you? Right. And you're there. You're there and you're yeah. still present and you know, you, you know that there's things going on around you, but mm-hmm. you lose sight of it because you're so focused on this book that you're just engrossed and everything else falls into the background. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the zone feels like. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of an intense focus than anything else. And a dropping into it. Yeah. The zone is a good word for probably. Yeah. yeah. Because you're not, you know, I always tell my students, if you're thinking anything, am I doing this right? This is ridiculous. How could I right. possibly do this? You're not in the zone. You're thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> If you're putting thoughts out, you're not receiving thoughts. Mm-hmm. So if you're putting thought your own thoughts out, that's how I can tell the difference. If I'm putting my own thoughts out, then I'm not receiving. Right. Is it as if, like in a book, as if you were there, as if you are walking down the sidewalk or? Yes. Okay. So it is like that. And then. Which some- is how, why it helps me in my missing persons work, because if I have a session and I put myself on the ground and I walk around and I look and see what it looks like. Once I get to a, an actual location, I'll get that sense of deja vu of this is it. I've been here before. I know this is it because I walked around down here and I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So um, how long does that take? Or is it like in a book? You, once you're there, it's, there the information's all there yeah um usually i've learned how to do it fast because i was on tv and i had a whole crew (laughs) staring at me and telling me count down to three see that's why i said in the your (laughs) intro that's a really hard thing to do to be able to go internally and and report you know just go to that place with cameras on you and yeah 
people all staring at you. Yes, yes. people all staring. <laughs> it's a at hard you thing and to do. Like, Go be psychic, and you're like, uh, <laughs> right now I'm this. out of body. <laughs> well, I yeah. got this. No problem. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would have to really just get internal very fast, and I drop all my, I drop all my energy and focus into my solar plexus. Mm-hmm. So I just. I can do that in seconds. I can do it really fast. But obviously, when I was learning and training, it would take me 20 minutes to get into a quiet state. So I'd have to meditate for a while and get myself quiet and centered. Now I can almost snap my fingers and do it. But that's just because I've been doing it for so long. And then when you're in that place, so let's say you're walking down the um, the sidewalk again. So... um, your monitor or whoever's asking you will say, well, wait, you know, look around say, look you. To what your is... right. Yeah, they'll okay. say, look to your right. Tell me what you see over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and if I say, oh, I see a, a building. I see some sort of a building or a structure. They'll say, okay, tell me more about that. What color is it? How many mm-hmm. floors does it have? And they'll just start asking me questions. How do you know where you are? So, you know, are you in Paris? Are you in New York? Mm-hmm. Are you in Denver? You know, how do you know where you are? I don't always know where I am. Um, a lot of times, the longer I stay there, the more um, hints and clues will come in to mm-hmm. tell me where I am. Like maybe I hear a foreign language or I get that feeling of, oh, this feels like a foreign place to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of tricks to figure out where I am. If, okay. if, uh, if I'm in, if I feel like I'm in a foreign country, I'll look at the money. I'll ask to look oh. at the money. Yeah. See what the money looks like. Um, now who I, do you ask just in general, it comes up, show me the money, the, the mm-hmm. old TV show thing. Me show me the money. <laughs> show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> show me the money. Yeah. Now, can you talk to other people in there? Like psychically? Mm-hmm. I guess it'd be spirit to spirit you're talking to them. Yeah, you can. Uh, in the ERV, that's one of the techniques that we use is is we walk into a cafe and ask, where am I? <laughs> where am I? <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, lady, you know, where am I? Right. Or I'll ask them sort of what's, what's the, if they don't tell me the name of the town, what's, what is it about your town that claimed the fame or what is it that's, unique about your town what is it your town known for i can ask them a question like that you'd be surprised at um how many times i actually do get an answer really now do you think if that person is really in the cafe that you've gone into and you're asking a question are they aware that i don't um, think so i don't you don't think so yeah because when you were talking about the uh the person that um I'm going to have to break too, and I want to get this question in. Uh, When you were talking about the person in in your dream, that person turned around and looked straight at you as if they knew you were there. And well, I was, he was looking at her. So I was looking through her eyes. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break now. Okay. And when we come back, let's talk about some of your bigger cases and um, how they went. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. We'll be right back.
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Things Worth Considering, featuring hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourselves, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and I'm back with Pam Coronado, who is a renowned psychic detective. And we're talking about her work and how she works. And we're about to talk about some of the cases that she has worked on. One of the questions I have is, um, what is the hardest aspect of your work? And then we'll get into the cases. (laughs) What is so hard about it? The hardest thing about it? The hardest thing about my work is not being able to control the outcome. Mm. Um, And, and, having some of these families that never get closure, they never get answers. That's really hard. That weighs heavily on my heart. Um, And there's a lot of them that, that have to manage to, to move forward in their lives somehow without having these answers. And um, that I think is the one thing that I really have the hardest time with. Mm -hmm. And that would be where you're not getting the answers. When you go internal, the information just isn't there. It's either either sometimes the information's not there. Most of the time it is. But but there can be situations where, you know, a body's just not going to be recovered. And I know it's not. Mm. And I know that the family's just not going to get that. So yeah. um, there are there are those kinds of situations, or or knowing that a certain person did a crime, but there's not a shred of evidence. Yeah. And, yeah, and detectives have to deal with that too, where they absolutely know who did something, and there's mm-hmm. not one shred of evidence to prove it. And so yeah. um, that person's out walking around. So those are the things that I find really. Really mm-hmm. Do you ever have a family where you've told them their loved one is alive and they just don't want to talk to them or the loved one is is passed and they just can't have it? They can't accept your answer? Um, I'm so gentle with that. I really try to avoid the dead or alive question with families as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to be in that position in the first place. 
I don't want to be wrong. Oh my God, I don't want to be wrong when it comes yeah, to especially that. Especially something like that. Yeah. Um, so I try to skirt around that when I have a family on. <laughs> I try to avoid it as much as possible. But um, yeah, I've definitely had some where we found the person alive and they didn't want anything to do with their family. Uh-huh. You know, we went through all this trouble to find them. One yeah. guy took me three years to find him, found him. He didn't want anything to do with his family. Yeah. So they were mad at me. <laughs> they were mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not my didn't fault. like your answer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you, do they then just not believe you or somehow they, they can now track the person who says, get away from me? That, that's exactly what happened in that right. one. Yeah. So how could they blame it on you? Then? <laughs> I know. I don't know if they blamed it on me. They were just mad at me, you know. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. It had to go somewhere and you yeah. were the easy target, <laughs> Yeah. unfortunately. Um, so what is the case, let's say, that haunts you the most? Um, Might as well go to the worst here. <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, I think the Chandra Levy case is the one that, that has kept me up the most nights. Okay, um, now for people who don't know, can you give a little background on that one? Mm-hmm. Chandra Levy was an intern, a young intern in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and um, she was having an affair with a senator, and she went missing. And um, they, they did find her body a year later. Um, they arrested um, a young immigrant who had had mugged some women in the park where her body had been found mm-hmm. and um, they convicted him. They went to trial. They convicted him. And I never, ever believed he was involved. I, and I screamed and yelled and threw a major tantrum and yeah. uh, never for a minute believed he had anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. And um, they arrested him and eventually uh, truth came out that he was not involved and uh, they had only had a jailhouse snitch. That was the only evidence they had against him. And oh, wow. the, then they found out through some sting thing that, that that guy had lied and he had made up that whole story and um, framed this kid. And so they eventually let him, you know, they actually let him out of prison and mm-hmm. um, deported him. And so now the case is still unsolved um, because of all of that. And so I have just really, I think that one is one of the ones that, that really kept me up at night and haunted me. And I almost quit doing this work because I was so upset. I didn't want to be in a system that could falsely imprison someone. Right. Grab low hanging fruit and yeah. just figured, yeah. Yeah, and nobody listening to me, nobody listening to me when I kept saying. Well, you weren't telling them what they wanted to hear. That was the problem. Do you know who did that? Um, It's not, you know, I don't believe it's Gary Condit. I did say that. (laughs) So I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know everybody thinks that's exactly what happened. I don't believe it was him personally. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, and that's really all you can say, huh? Uh, yeah. On on radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is what was one of the biggest cases that that was the most intriguing to you? 
I think probably the DC snipers. Mm-hmm. That was such a bizarre scenario and such a strange thing. And I was working on it every day and um, trying to understand what these guys were doing and what they were going to do next. It was horrifying and fascinating all at the same time. Right. So it was definitely, um, that was so interesting because they were, they had. You've got to give a little background. Again, we've got international. Oh, okay. So yeah, they, sorry. yeah, they, um, the DC snipers were these two men who went on a shooting spree throughout um, the, what they call the beltway. And they went to all of these different places and they were just randomly shooting people. Um, and forgive me for not remembering the year um, back in the early two thousands, but yeah. um, you know, people were afraid to get gas because mm-hmm. they were shooting people at bus stops, gas stations, parking lots, all these random places. Yeah. Um, people were terrified and they were, I think they ended up shooting 13 people and all <sighs> said and done. I remember and, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember. It was terrifying. People were afraid to go out. Yeah, People terrifying. were afraid to go out and, and they kept leaving all these bizarre cryptic, messages and throwing tarot cards down at the crime scenes and leaving these cryptic notes and the poor law enforcement that no idea what's going on. Yeah. No yeah. idea what was going on. And um so trying to sort of decipher what these guys were doing and why they were leaving these crazy messages and what they were up to. It was really truly fascinating, but horrifying to um not be able to get out in front of them. Mm-hmm. So like I could tell you what they were going to do the next day, but how and when and where was oh, really challenging. That's the worst in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and what was the end result? Did they get them? I don't. They remember. got them. Um, they did finally get them. Um, one of them was actually executed. So one of them has been executed. The other one's still in prison for. for and were life. you helpful in that? In them getting them. Um, I don't know if I could take uh, credit for helping them find them, but I was definitely helpful in the interview process when they, when they got to talk to them. Okay. Ask this kind of thing. Okay. Ask them mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now yeah. would they call you then before they really sit down with them or are you on speakerphone in their ear while they're doing <laughs> it? No, I was not on speakerphone, but I, I was called and asked some questions because they were yeah. um, really having a hard time getting this guy to open up. So I was like, well, try this. And yeah, yeah. So and pry that. him open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, how do you manage? I mean, you're, you're, you're really putting yourself in the middle of some pretty horrific things. How do you manage to be sane, really? You know, it's, it's you know, some rough stuff here. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time in nature. I spend a lot of time at the ocean with my dog. And uh, I actually coach basketball. So I spend time with kids who are happy and healthy and normal. um, Because that energy really helps me too. So it's all about balance and also learning how to detach from it somewhat and not take everything I can't be responsible for everything. I used to carry it all on my shoulders and feel responsible for everything. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I can't do that. I, it's, you know, I, I have to do the best I can do, put it out there, and then that's all I can do. I can't control the outcome of any of it. But not only controlling, seeing the destruction, the damage, and then, like you talked about feeling it, feeling the people who do these things. Yeah. That, that um, is horrible. It, 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 that part is horrible. I really think that, that that's why I've gravitated toward missing persons work mm-hmm. so much more because I don't have to. A lot of times it's just accidents or people have gotten lost or different things. And, and I'm less focused on the <clears throat> horrifying crime part and more mm-hmm. on the, you know. Or feeling that kind of depravity, <clears throat> really. Um, you're doing some fugitive work, I heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, how's that going? <clears throat> um, that's rewarding. That's like a sneak attack, huge sneak <laughs> attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the secret weapon. Yeah. Um, that is rewarding. I do actually really enjoy fugitive work. So I do enjoy, um, you know, if they have a pedophile who's on the run, for example, Um, I do enjoy being able to help law enforcement figure out where they should be looking and and, um, help them find Can you tell us an example of, you know, one of those cases? I had one not that long ago. Um, This department's super fascinated with it now because I I was able to help them. But I did tell them that he was going. They asked, they thought he was, he'd left a note saying he was suicidal and had withdrawn money and all this stuff. And so they asked the first question they asked me, is he suicidal? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, no. Not at all. Like he's, he's actually having a beer right now. So yeah, he's definitely not suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was able to tell him where he went. I knew he'd gone back to his hometown. He was going and getting help from someone like a parent. So I knew he was getting some assistance and he was going back to his roots, back to where he came from. They detectives misunderstood where he lived, where I, they thought I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, there was a misunderstanding on where they thought that he had grown up, but I saw him going to a subway. I, I was like, absolutely a hundred percent. He's at a subway having lunch. And it turns out that he, um, when they did finally find him and arrest him, he had a subway receipt. In <laughs> That's good. Hey, you know, I, I really wanted to ask about the Golden Gate, but we're out of time. And I want to make sure that people know where to get hold of you. And, okay. um, you know, what's coming up, what you're doing and, you know, mm-hmm. can they participate? Yeah. So, so I, I'm always, thank you. Um, you can always find me at, at um www.pamcoronado.com so pamcoronado.com and I uh, teach classes year round so I'm always trying to help everybody develop their own psychic abilities whether they want to be a detective or not um, just I developing. thought you were going to say whether they want to or not <laughs> whether they want to or not I, I force yeah. you all uh, to learn to learn um, to uh, develop your your clear audience, clairvoyance, all the different players. And so I do teach that. Mm-hmm. I do readings that are not crime related. I do personal readings for people that are not connected to crimes. 
I love yeah. that because I like to get out of that energy and keep my balance. So yeah. I do love doing those. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, like, you know, I'm constantly teaching, helping And I those. think you have an offer for our audience, don't you? Yeah. Um, we decided to offer a 25% off on my, my beginning course. So my psychic detective beginning course. And um, I understand that some listeners may not hear this right away. So we're going to extend that offer. Um, and the coupon code will be um, the name of your show. <laughs> a View Through the Veil. View, and this offer is veil. good for December 2021. Right. So it'll right. end at the end of December 2021. Mm-hmm. But if anybody misses it out there, now I'm going to throw you under the bus. If anybody misses it out there, do get hold of Pam. And, yeah. you know, if there's any current offer going on, she certainly will extend it to you. Yes. Just let me know you heard me on the show and we'll work something out for you. Okay, guys. great. Great. Pam, thanks so much for being on the show. I've really enjoyed it. I really want more information, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have to end. Thanks okay. so much and have a Thank great you. weekend. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.